At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Federal Ammunition Podcast. It's federal season. I'm Chad Belding, your guest host. I also host the Foul Life Television. We're currently airing season 14 on the Outdoor Channel. Outdoor Channel is it's the home of outdoor television, hunting, fishing, every part of our community that you can expect support from. The Outdoor Channel is giving it. We're proud to be on the Outdoor Channel. Season 14 of the Foul Life right now, and I'm even more proud to be here today on its federal season. And I'm talking to a man who is a friend, a mentor. He is my age, but has become a mentor on just how to execute and how to make things happen when it comes to the experience of duck hunting in the duck blind, at the lodge, preseason preparation, dog work, duck calling, when to call the shot. We actually talk about when to call the <laughs> shot quite a bit, and I argue with my guests today. But Drew Keith, he's the president and CEO of a little place in Louisiana called Honey Break. And it has become one of the top three to five, I'm going to say top two destinations in the continental United States to chase waterfowl during the migration, during the fall migration. Honey Break, Louisiana. I've had the pleasure of hunting there, the honor of hunting there a few times with my guest today. Drew Keith, how are you, my man? Doing good, brother. Doing good. How about you? Oh, man, I'm fired up, buddy. You know what gets me fired up is that, you know, I'm not a huge social media guy about following people, but I do follow you secretly through um, an account <laughs> that's called Jargon Game Calls. And I, I often uh, wonder, like, how you do it, because you are a, a face guy. You love talking to people. You're great in front of people. You're great in the blind, calling ducks, calling the shop, making people feel at home, experiencing that, you know, for lack of better terms, the hunt of a lifetime, which we hear so much, but but Honeybreak really does provide this to people. But what I see following you, Drew, is you're in bulldozers, you're in excavators, you're moving land, you're moving dirt, you're putting pipe in the ground, you're working with Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, other conservation organizations to ensure that these ducks are going to have a great habitat when they get to that part of Louisiana down the central flyway there. Give me an idea of how many hours are you spending a day in what we would call preseason preparation? <laughs> and what does that preparation entail? Well, normally, I mean, uh, you know, we've got a big place. Uh, 20,000 acres is a lot to say grace over. But uh, this year we're actually doing, we put enrolled another 3,000 acres in the WRE, Wetland Reserve Easement. And it's going to be about uh, 1,800 acres of additional uh, shallow water areas. So, um, be careful what you wish for. We, we, we enrolled it. Then we bid on the contract and actually got the contract. So it was, um, a hundred thousand yards of dirt pan work, uh, 10,000 yards of excavation, 18 water control structures. Uh, the, the smallest or the biggest one being about 120 feet long. So it's, uh, it, we've had that on top of everything else that we do. So it, we, we brought in, uh, about another eight employees this summer just to do the, just to do the construction work. And, uh, trying to wrap everything up before hurricane season starts. We were looking really, really good until uh, about two weeks ago, and we've been very blessed to miss all the all the rain so far. But now it's now it's caught up with us. So. 
you find pleasure in knowing what you're doing for the population? So not just ducks, not just geese, but shorebirds, and you got deer down there. You have a ton of different wildlife that, that live at Honeybreak. Um, when you're working this many hours every day, and it's 100% humidity, it can be 100 degrees outside, are you, vision, are you a, vision, a visionary, Drew Keith? Do you visualize what, what's getting ready to go down once you see the water on these pieces of property and the ducks start to come down the flyway? Do you visualize this on a daily basis when you're sitting in that excavator? 100%. 100%. Go, going like to, even to my personal property uh, now, it's, just, it's uh, uh, you, you've been around me enough to know I'm, I'm a little, uh, I run in the red quite a bit. And so my little mind is always turning. So instead of going and just enjoying a day in a deer stand or, or a duck blind or, or riding a forward or something like that, it's I'm looking to the ways I see something that I can make it better. I can see something I can do it better and uh, or way to improve it, whether it's access or or whether it's um, deepening a pond or, or uh, filling in a, uh, a a deeper spot for it to make it where it's eight to eighteen inches for dabbling ducks. It's, I mean, it's just always making making uh, natural funnels for the deer and other uh, game to come through, like a pinch point. So it's it's always my mind's always working on uh, leaving it better than I found, and I, and I take a lot of pride in it. I think that's awesome. That's the mentality of an American farmer, a worldwide farmer, the sustainability, leaving the land better when you put it back up on that shelf and when you took it off of that shelf. Because in, in reality, it's not our land, right? If you're, when you're gone, there's going to be just, somebody else. You know, somebody else is going to be right. chosen to take care of that land and manicuring it and knowing that all of these different populations of wildlife, including ducks and geese, which we're you know, focusing on today, are, are maximizing the potential of that land. I love it. I love Honeybreak, but the story of Honeybreak and the culture of Honeybreak is so key to me. And I always brag about this part about you, Drew, is that every morning your UTVs pull up to pick up your hunters. And I've never seen a speck of mud on a UTV at five o'clock in the morning, but I know how much mud is on that UTV at 1130 <laughs> when we're coming out of those duck blinds. And that showcases your attention to detail and your execution and organization and how much your crew believes in what your vision is because they are taking so much pride and no corners being cut. And I love that part of honey break. And I think that today I want to get into things like what does it take to get that message to your team that we can't cut corners? These people are flying into honey break and they're spending their hard earned money to rely on us to provide them with an opportunity, even if you don't get them every day. There's still going to be memories made right. and stories written. So we have that to talk about. I want to talk about what does it take, you know, what etiquette do you, have you seen in the duck blind? What etiquette have you worked on with people in the duck blind? Because I've heard stories about, hey, you know, people get a little bit, uh, a little bit trigger happy or they might be talking a little bit too loud. Or I want to talk about what does it take to have etiquette, you know, on an everyday duck hunt with your buddies? And what is the correct etiquette to have when you visit a place like honey break and I want to get into time, you know, just maximizing our, our our time in the duck blind, Drew. And you and I have, I think, mastered this because when they're not flying, we're having a big time. When they're flying, our eyes are to the sky, or when they're dead on the water, we're watching your unbelievable sporting dog swim through thousands of decoys to pick up ducks. So I want to get into that, but you know, we we go back to what you're experiencing right now with your everyday workload. But pretty soon, you know, when this episode airs, it's going to be close to, to, to teal season. Um, this is right. this is a huge part of duck hunting in the south. This is like the dove opener, and then you got the teal opener down there, right? I know how you feel about that's dove right. hunt. I know you love it, but 
what what are you, what are you looking forward to the most? Are you excited? Are, do you have a do you have a lot of adrenaline going right now for this upcoming season? And are you excited to see those blue wing teals show up at Honeybrook? They actually, uh, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm probably more excited this year than I have been. But this new uh, this new project, I mean, I do this stuff all the time, but I'm I'm really really excited. I mean, it's some areas that we're uh, that are going to be you know take pressure off of our historically you know hot spot. Uh, so, and it's all going to be basically terraced, so you can manage the water. So, they, one of the biggest areas was like a four foot deep on one end, and and uh, by the time they got to where the blind needed to be, it was like you know ankle deep. Well, now it's going to be eight to eighteen inches across that whole five hundred acres. So, the the cool thing about it is, it's just you know seeing it all come to fruition. So, last week we got three inches of rain. And uh, it's a place that we had just just planted and seeded and hayed the, and fertilized the levees. And we had some barnyard grass come up there because it was one of the first levees that we built. So we, had, we had disturbed the ground out there in front of it. And it's the barnyard grass and, and the other uh, moist soil uh, species are coming up. So my, I might have threw a little fertilizer on that too. And then came back after that rain. And it, it I'll send you I'll send you a text when we get done with this. It is it's fine. I mean the 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 teal were already in it. So that was uh, August the eighth. That's, that's uh, probably about the earliest we've seen them, but they're they're already showing up. The, on the the day after the rain, it was, we saw like five teal, and then the next day went back and saw you know five or six different bunches. When you think about you know the tealers showing up and you start to get that adrenaline rush, that anticipation. Some of the things I've heard from the again quote unquote southern duck hunter where duck hunting is so big down there in the Mississippi Flyway, whether it's Arkansas down to Louisiana, you got the Mississippi Delta. There's a lot of areas in southeast Missouri that are very plentiful and rich in culture of the American duck hunter, goose hunter. But a lot of the talk coming out of your area in the past, let's say, six, you know, five years, that duck hunting has changed. The flies with ducks don't ducks don't come down and fly in the flyway shifted ship. to the west. So. Do you believe in this, right. or what are you hearing? Because the reports that I've seen this year, right now, going into the 2022-23 waterfowl season, Drew Keith, is that habitat was good, the hatch was good, both mm-hmm. both from the duck factory of the United States, plus up in Canada, uh, on the tundra. It looks good. Is this get you fired up, or do right. you look at it like, I'll believe it when I see it? Nope. We're, well, like a... Kind of to touch back on the the last uh, comment that you that you or the question that you asked I me mean, that my guys you know you can, you can't control the wind you can't control the ducks uh, you can't control the weather but so we try to take care of everything else that we can so um, when people come down here if if by chance it's, it is a slow day then they seen that we put every ounce of effort into making it uh, as as or making the best of what we can control everything else is out of our control so the uh, I mean, you hear the the flyway shifting. You hear that the ducks don't come down anymore. Well, there's more ducks now than it's ever been, but it's also more duck hunters now than it's ever been. And so we're we're our own worst enemy. But that's good, you know. So um, no matter what, I mean, if people keep saying I'm going north or I'm going west and whatever, but you know, we're we're still going. We still put our boots on every morning to go out and see how we can improve it, and make it better. So. Uh, we have we're blessed with a big enough piece of property. We have basically everything that a, a, a duck would want. So we got deep water, shallow water, ag fields, uh, the, the moist soil management, uh, older timber, young flooded timber. So it's it's a little bit of everything. You do you 
we're just going to do everything we can that we can't control. I like that being able to control what is in your controllables and you're on your list of controllables. And that goes back to not cutting corners. And I, I could personally paint a vivid picture to our listening audience here at its federal season podcast of what takes place at Honeybrake from the, the wake up to the home, the, the customized omelets in the mud room, to getting your waders on in your ammo bag and there's two coolers one's got breakfast burritos and one's got diet dr peppers or coffee and thermoses and then you jump in a utv and you're on it for 20 minutes and then you get dropped off at a boat dock and you get in a boat for a 5 to 10 15 minute boat ride into a blind that literally is the taj mahal of duck blinds when, when you when you hear this drew and you hear people like myself or uh people from federal premium that have been to honey break and the experiences that they've had you can't always get them you're not always going to be able to get the ducks to cooperate and mother nature cooperate i've been i've had days at honey break where we don't shoot them up and i've had days where you, you can't keep them right. out of the decoys what do you tell somebody Drew? they come they call you they they come up to you at the nwtf show in nashville every february hey mr drew saw you on tv i love the honey break experience i want to come hunt there it's my goal to hunt at honey break what are some of the questions that I or another potential customer client of Honey Break or another Duck Lodge in America need to be asking you and your crew there to make sure that when we do send that deposit checks, all the all, that all the boxes are checked and we're ready for for the trip to Honey Break. Well, I think the I think the most thing that we get asked is you know when's the best time to come. Uh, being how we are, we we are we book up so far in advance, so it's pretty much it's uh. You better whatever day is available. You better come on that day. You know, used to historically it was the, the second week of December to the second week of January, um, but but now just the the way that we're, you know, the way we've been, I guess our intense ma- management. Even even the birds that doesn't come that don't come down because of the, uh, a, a push or or a front, they're going they're genetically programmed to come down here anyway. So we're still going to get those. Now if you don't get another front for two or three weeks after that. We're going to be struggling, <laughs> so, but usually by that time, the little cycle gets started and they're going to come down. So that's probably the biggest thing we get asked. I mean, uh, the one thing that uh, being being a dog owner and a dog lover, and I've owned several good dogs in my life and, and ran over several of them. Um, the can I bring my dog? And and it, uh, I was always a big advocate for that to be able to bring your dog and and uh, but. Uh, You've been here, you know. Most of our dog, our dog boxes or runs are brushed in, and they're they're seeing, you know, a big spread of decoys, and you know they might be having to mark on sound. That's just something that, you know, uh, most dogs aren't trained on. So it, it it'll make a, you know, a dog with four or five grand passes, uh, you know, not look not look very good at all, and it and it, it it embarrasses the the landowner because you know, I mean, not the dog owner, not the landowner, it embarrasses the dog owner because you know that's just pride and joy. I mean, they, uh, He's super proud about it, and, if, uh, and my, it's been my experience. The more, the more uh, I brag about my dog, the more he'll let me down. <laughs> so, just when you think you've got him uh, just right, they'll, they'll prove you wrong. So, uh, and the, and the big, biggest reason with that, as far as number one, they're, they're not going to have uh, a good time, and, and that's what we're here. You know, is having a good experience. Uh, number two, uh, you know, we have to have health clearances and all that kind of stuff because we have probably. 18 to 20 dogs in our kennels during hunting season. And if a dog comes in and gives our dogs kennel cough, which they all have the shots and the stuff to prevent it still, it's just, um, and it's just like one of the guides being down for, for a day or, or a week or two. When, 
but I've been to some outfitters, you know, I'll mess with the guys and I'll be like, oh, this is, should have been here last week outfitter, you know, like, oh, the guys last week really got him and then we get there and then, oh man, the, the anticipation starts to die out. Should have been here yesterday. Yeah, we, we smoked them, wish y'all would have here yesterday. Right. What, what are some red flags that a client, when he's talking to a potential outfitter, because this is, this is a big deal, Drew. I mean, we're, you're taking your money that you earned and you're traveling, you might have to be in a plane. Um, you might have to go you save up for fuel costs these days. It's not cheap to hunt at Honey Break. It's not cheap to hunt at a lot of hunt, uh, outfitters. The experience right. is there. Don't get me wrong. But what are some red flags our listening audience could, could be aware of if they're asking questions to a potential outfitter or guide service um, that you can look for? Of, Man, maybe, maybe I really need to do my homework and get a second opinion on this place. Well, I would say, you know, Everybody's in social media nowadays. If you, if you go to their website or their brochure or whatever, and it's um, you know all the old style camo and from the eighties and you know dull color pictures with a with a, a bunch of mallards, I would probably question that. Uh, if you're going to uh, a social media or their their website or social media and it's them and all the guides hunting or, or them and their buddies hunt, well, I, mean, I can promise you, if me and Jared and Cole and and the other guides all went and got in the blind. Uh, Every day, it would be nothing but you know, picking our ducks in a you know a smoke show. But we're taking we're taking people who have never hunted before. We're taking we're putting their shotguns together, or they're renting shotguns from us. We're pulling the tags off their clothes, and we're doing you know uh, you know taking them to the sporting clays range and teaching them you know the safety and how to how to hit a clay you know uh, left to right or right to left or uh, introducing them into the outdoors or introducing them to the sport of wing shooting. So uh, then I mean it's it's a what we would consider, and this was a this was a hard thing I had to you know really instill into the guide. It's not about it's not always about what you kill, and, and it, so you know uh, a lot of guys think if you don't limit out, then you're you're uh, you did, you had a bad hunt because that's what we do. Uh, I mean, I've had people come from North and South Carolina. They want to shoot one canvas back and then go back home. Like we, we can kill five more ducks. They're like, man, I've been wanting to kill one of these, you know, for years and. And this is all I came for. But so it's it's that person's experience that you and you got to listen. You that's why God gave you two of these and one of these. <laughs> so you got to listen to what the client wants. And, and uh, uh, we had, we had a client one time that uh, he went with um, one of my guys, one of my top guys, and uh, he came back with a bad review. I was like, "There's no way." So I was like, "Well, I'll send I'll send Jared with him." The next year he comes back, and I sent Jared with him, and uh, like Jared, you know, he's gonna make whatever happen. And I got a, I got a bad review back on Jared. I was like, there's no possible way. So well, next year, I'm taking him. And the guy was coming back every year. And so I take him and look, the first thing out the, I mean, it was horrible conditions. And uh, I said, look, it's said, where are you going? So I'm fixing to go make a loop around the farm, do a little scout and see if I can find 40 ducks for us to try to kill them all. Cause there's none out here. <laughs> and so we get, we get on the ranger and we're riding around and, and uh, you know, the there's probably, you know, four or 500 ducks in this, in this, field trading back and forth in two little areas that you pick where you want to hunt because yeah it's your it's your trip whatever you want to do if he saw the ducks we go up in there and uh all he'd been wanting to do is kill a pintail kill a pintail kill a pintail well it started off i go in there we just built this levee and i go to park the buggy and the water was over the top of it and i drive it off the side of the levee <laughs> so there was sitting there with this big ranger uh about 80 yards from the blind uh it's not going well get back in the blind and sure enough it was slow. We we talked and this, that, and other. And uh, 
his one pintail came. There's two a pintail and two gadwalls coming in. I was like, keep stay down, stay down. Here they come, here they come. And that old gadwall was, I mean, the pintail was just sitting there. I mean, fluttering. Well, he jumps up. What do you do? He's shooting over and under. Boom, boom. Shoots at both the pintails, misses both of them. That old gadwall just sitting there in your face. <laughs> so he had the opportunity to kill his gadwall. I mean, kill his uh, uh, pintail. But we got back, and, and I said, there's no way I'm going to get a good review off of this. I mean, he, I mean, I, I parked the ranger. I mean, we got stuck, and it, he, you know, didn't get to kill his duck. He sent back. That was the best hunt he had been on here. He had, because he'd flown in so many times, and going to the blind, you know, and back to the lodge, and that was it. He'd never gone on a tour like that to see what all the stuff that we do while they're at the lodge doing their afternoon activity or whatever. And he said that, um, and he's been back ever since. I mean, it was just that was. But we're all thinking, you know, he's got to kill more ducks. He's got to kill more ducks. We talk about that at all. Morning's a new day. You can have a, you know, you're filtering clients in and out. This day, you might have an experienced group of guys that, that have been hunting. They, this might be the 40th state they've hunted, or like you just alluded to, this might be their first hunt of all time. You're putting their right. Manelli together, getting their black cloud loaded for them. Um, the mm-hmm. guides every morning, and I've been there, I've experienced it, is that there's a safety meeting, there's protocol. Uh, there's going to be told, they're going to be told what's going to happen right. in the blind. This isn't like a this isn't like a drill sergeant coming down on them, but it's, hey, guys, this is, uh, we're going to clear our muzzles. We're going to make sure that when the dogs are out, all actions are open. I want to make sure that you're, well, you don't, you don't pull up and, and click the safety off until you hear me say get them or the call, whatever the call shot's going to be. What are some of the things that your guides center in on every morning to make sure every client understands what they're getting into before they actually get to the blind? Uh, well, we, you know, Ed will talk about it the night before at dinner and then uh, kind of give them a rundown. Then we'll have a, we have now, because we've been doing it long enough, we have a little rolling feed up on, on the main floor of the lodge. It kind of just shows, you know, what to expect. And then uh, that morning, you know, of course, everybody's got questions, but the, the actual, the biggest safety meeting really never happens until you get in the blind and that, that guides with that group. And they, you know, kind of, by the time you, you're sitting around there eating their omelet and loading the stuff up, you can kind of see, you know, well, even from, you know, somebody's personal mobility, I mean, they might be uh, a little slower, you know, or need, need any help them with his bag. I mean, there's more things. So they're always, they're always paying attention. It's not just uh, a time to sit there and shoot the breeze and, and uh, wait to shooting time. So uh, once they get in the blind, they they put the people, if there's something, adjustments they need to made on who, who sits where, they, you know, they do that then. But then you go through the, uh, you know, all guns on, when, when they're down or in the blind, they're, they're on safety. When you put it up to your shoulder, identify your target, they, you know, they call the shot, take it off safety. Back down in the blind, don't shoot while the dog's out, and dang sure don't shoot while the guy's out. <laughs> you know? so that's, that's the When it that's comes the to <laughs> respect and etiquette you know, uh, for your fellow duck hunters, do you how, – how important is promptness? I've been in County Break where – you know, a guy's alarm might not have went off. He's coming down and he's nowhere near ready to go, but the sun's coming up. It's time to get to the blind and get prepared, whether it's getting the mojos turned on, whatever it is, there's work to do once we get out to the blind. Um, How important is it to be on time when you're at a a lodge or a guide service and making sure that you you, you make the bell and 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 you're ready to go and the guide's ready to go? Well, I mean, you got to think about the other people that are, I mean, if you're going by yourself, that's one thing. But if, if you're going with somebody else, that's a, that's a lot bigger thing. Uh, cause you're, you're making somebody else's, uh, your poor planning is making somebody else's, uh, a problem. So, uh, you know, growing up, 
with my buddies, you know, you know, I always had a rule if you're late, you left. And you can ask a lot of my buddies. They got left at the gas station or wherever we were supposed to meet because <laughs> I'm getting up and I'm going after them. Uh, I mean, but here, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's some people that come down and they'll make the hunt the morning, the first morning and second morning. We're like, you know what? I'm going to sleep in and, you know, get a massage. You know, it's just, it's just different strokes for different folks. But, uh, but as far as if somebody's, somebody's inviting you on a hunt, then, then uh, the the last thing you want to do is be late or make it more difficult to them. If somebody's paying for you, you don't want to do that. You know, so if you're going by yourself, that's up to you. You know, you can you can you can miss that first flight of, of wood ducks or that first low spec that's coming in there you right before right at daylight. There's, there's a lot of instruction that goes on, and, and 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 there's a lot of education that can go on with the guide service and outfit. And I've heard a lot of clients asking questions throughout the entire hunt. Why do you shoot three inch black cloud and number twos? Why aren't you shooting number threes? Hey Drew, I saw that you had this in your blind bag. Um, you you could become a teacher, a mentor, an instructor for what we would call a DIY or a do-it-yourself hunter. Right. Because a lot of these guys and girls are going to leave Honey Break and go back with, man, I got a learning experience. I got a college education in three days. I'm ready to go apply what I just learned. What what are some of the things that that you would tell the DIY hunter right. now that's going to go off on his or herself and be like, I got a blind bag. We know we're gear nuts. We're going to have our calls. We're going to have we're going to have other things in this blind bag. Our ammo, our calls, whatever it is. What are some things that we don't think about that you would tell the the DIY hunter to make sure you have this in your blind bag that might not be one of the overall you know quote unquote again essentials. Hmm. Hmm. I mean. I mean, you've seen my bag. We 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 towed everything but the kitchen sink. Um, uh, Chad, you got me on that one. I mean, I guess I guess for the the cost of everything, what I what I tell more young people nowadays is you know find your you know find your buddy with you know, he'll have the boat and you'll buy the you'll have the four wheeler. Another guy will have the the decoys. Another guy will have the dog. So it's so it's not so uh, so much expense on one person. You get you get you a good group of buddies. And uh, everybody kind of pitches in and, and does their own part. You know, just no different than the the quarterback, the tackle, and the, the receivers. And, and when the you're thinking back. about Everybody's that, talk together. to me real quick. You mentioned dogs again. I want to talk about the blind bag dogs, the hunter, and you know, it's something that I think about and that I don't do a very good job of. How important, in your opinion, and do you carry a first aid kit for hunters, clients? We've got, we've got. We've got first aid kits in every ranger and in every boat. So and this is important when you're a DIY, DIY hunter to be thinking about whether it's snacks for your dog, protein snacks or something for your dog to make sure his or her energy level stays up, hydration methods for the dog during a hunt, other things in your blind bag like band-aids or chapstick because you're calling so right. much and you might, or bug spray if you're hunting teal and there's a bunch of mosquitoes around. There's a long list that when I open Drew Key's blind bag, and I've done it before and we have done podcasts, that focus mainly on Drew Key's blind right. bag. You do take everything but the kitchen sink. Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to tell you what's what's essential because what's essential to me might not be the the ninety. Yeah, and I think the, the other big thing that I've learned at Honey Break is you could go into the buck brush with a half a dozen decoys, four hen mallards, a coot, and a drake mallard, and mop up the mallard ducks. Or you could go out into one of the big blinds and have six, seven hundred right. decoys, up to twelve hundred decoys out. Was talking about the DIY hunter leaving with some knowledge. He goes into your blind. That can be pretty intimidating. Oh my gosh, 
I'm never going to have this many decoys. What would you tell me, Drew? What do I start right. with? When I leave Honey Bright, can I go get a dozen or a couple dozen floater mallard decoys, maybe a sprig for some color in it? What What do you tell people when it comes to the to the decoy, the setting up, what to look for, the wind direction, the shadows, jerk strings, movement on the water? What are some of the things that you're going to teach people as you take them through a daily hunt at Honey Bright? I mean, it all, it all uh, I mean, being able to make adjustments, you know, it's just no different than turkey calling or duck calling, you know, knowing, knowing when to call is a whole lot better than knowing how to call, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, motion in, motion in the decoys. I mean, we've killed a lot of ducks with just sitting by a tree and, and kicking, you know, through the years. I mean, it, it's, uh, it all just depends. I guess the first thing is location, location, location. If you can't be on the spot, you want to be as close to it as you can. Uh, you can get away with a whole lot more or a whole lot less uh, doing that. Uh, you definitely want to have some kind of motion, like you know, like spinning wing decoys. That, that's a uh, some days they work, some days you know you need to turn them off. You know, so uh, a remote control on that makes makes the safety back and forth trips out of the blind. Uh, a jerk string, you know, having something that's compact. You know, our permanent blinds have them built in there to it, but you know, having uh, there's several different models that are out there now that have a little anchor system and you. Fold it up and put it the in other the, thing in the I want to make sure that people have a good understanding on before we start talking duck. Um, I don't know if there's a more I don't know if there's a more extensive. Taylor, Taylor, oh, you're all right. We can. We'll, on, Matt will be able to edit. Um, I don't know if there's a more I don't know if there's a more extensive yeah. lanyard in all of duck hunting than Drew Key's lanyard. And when I say that, I mean because and here's why. Here's why is because you don't know. <laughs> When you're going to need a Drake whistle or a pintail whistle or a widgeon whistle or a teal whistle or a mallard call or a gadwall call or a teal call. You got all of this because you're ready, you're prepared. But again, Drew, thinking about that instructional process for the, you know, the DIY guy or girl going out on their own, what are some of the basics you would say to have on their lanyard? And then what are just a couple of the basic sounds you want to master? Because when I hear you call, I'm like, man, Drew's mixing in that widgeon whistle with some mallard you know, quacks and, and Jared's over here doing this and the ducks are eating it up. But what would you tell people have this on your lanyard? And here's a couple basic sounds I want you to concentrate on. Um, well, you definitely have to have a, uh, you know, a mallard call. Um, and it may like, you could, if you could just, if you could just, uh, do the, the basic cadence, bam, 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 you know, just a regular, just a regular old, uh, five note, and then have a little feed and chuckle, and then I do it. I would do a drake whistle, and uh, you got the because you can do a, a pintail, you can do a uh, a teal, and and you can do the widgeon or the or the, the mallard uh, drake whistle. Uh, but I would tell anybody, and I tell I tell a lot of people this all the time: go somewhere and listen to ducks on the water. Go to go to a, a spot that's a rooster. Go to a a, a wildlife preserve or, or uh, a resting area. And sit there at dark and listen to the birds come in and try to mimic those sounds because and that's so that just answered the question that you asked me. Why do you have all those? I mean, why y'all doing all that? Because if we've got pintail, uh, canvasback, uh, mallard, widgeon, gadwall decoys out there, well, I mean the ducks they're they're looking for those noises. And if you're sitting there with all that big spread and making one noise over and over and over again in the same repetition, uh, you know. Of course, we do give we do give ducks the uh, 
more credit than than they they probably worth me. I spent most of my life trying to outsmart something with a brain about the size of my thumbnail. But but uh, I think that it's it's uh, just just more realistic. No, you know, no different than having emotional decoys. Listening listening to the real thing, and if there are making more realistic decoys in your spread, then yeah, be able to twirl your tongue and get a little bit of a sprig whistle going, and be able to do the the widget. Yeah. I mean, all all the stuff that Teal does, it's just it's more huh. realistic. Yeah, that sounds perfect. And and, yep. and one thing that I've always been frustrated with you about, and I, I know yeah. we're coming to an Andrew, and I truly appreciate you being on. It's federal season. We're both great friends of Federal Premium. We both believe in Black Cloud. Um, but there's one thing that I've always questioned, and, I, and, I, and let's just let's just clear the air right now. We're always going to be good friends. Um, why don't you let me call the shot? Is this is this because you want to have dominance over me, or is there really a talent? And again, talking to DIY girls and guys out there that are going to start waterfowl hunting, how important is calling the shot? And why do you always insist that you have to be the one calling the shot when I'm in the blind with you? Because a lot of times I see it a little different, and I want to do things my way. This is important, right, Drew, of having a blind leader and knowing who's going to call the shot. That's right. Yeah, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. So when I go to your blind, I'm gonna listen to what you say. But uh, the, and I guess I, coming from a uh, being a guide, I mean, you basically have to have a servant's heart. So uh, if the ducks are coming in on my end and I shoot the first one that comes in, and there's you know 12 more coming behind it, then nobody else got a shot to blind unless uh, they shoot not their lane. So that goes back to blind safety. So it's a lot safer if I wait, even if I don't get to shoot. You know, or the, maybe the guy beside me that gets shoot, but but letting them float on past so everybody has a, a best opportunity to shoot a duck. Uh, and you know, like back to taking new, new people, first time you know, first time I've hunted with that guy. Well, I don't know how far he can shoot ducks. So I'm going to try to get him in as close as possible every time until I see how they shoot. Now, you know, if he does that and they're, everybody unloads and, and uh, one's getting out, and he reloads and pops one, you know, seventy yards out there. Hey, we're we can pop them when they start swinging the decoys, <laughs> but that, to me, the calling the shot part is uh, safety. Uh, as far as so not shooting over somebody's head, uh, and then then two, you want you want to make a good lethal shot. You don't want to have a bunch of cripples running out there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, sky blasting, you know, uh, or shooting away out there is very unethical. So you you want to make sure you have a good lethal shot and, and Drew, before you go get it and reload and get ready for the next batch. So it's, so it's not just, I'm not just, I'm not just calling. I, I had to mess with you about it because I, I think it's the voice. first thing I ask every time I'm in the blind with you. Can I please call? I guess the answer to the question is I need to invite you on a hunt with me. Right. Yeah. I know that we're rolling. I, it I wouldn't be fair on this podcast right now, Drew, to ask you, what is what is your go-to for Black Cloud? What do you like? And, and what have you seen over the last five seasons? Is it performing like it performs for us? Because how important is it? To get those dead ducks back in the blind and on the strap with, the, you know, everybody's got their own strap, stay into their legal possession limit, their daily bag limit. We don't want a bunch of cripples. We know it's going to happen. But how awesome has Black Cloud been for you and the Honey Break team? Well, well I'm a uh, I'm a three and a half inch uh, BBs kind of guy. And that's, that's just my favorite round. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit bigger fella. And uh uh, we usually shoot last, and we're shooting cripples. And you know, I've got my my little Rob Roberts uh, uh, tricks out, duck trick out done on it. So it's 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 shooting a pretty tight pattern. 
but I, I will tell you this. Uh, I, we got we got a few uh, test rounds for the new TSS 8s and BBs or 7s and BBs, and I shot some of that in till season. That's true. Uh, I mean, I, I might could have – I actually even stuck a couple in my bag during duck season. It's like three and a half, then the, then the uh, three eights, eights and BBs. Or seven to be it's it's pretty pretty good round. So you have the you have the heavy stuff. And I love you have I the, love Black uh, Thought. Drew Keith, Honey the, Break, the Honey Break Lodge. It's a true destination. Thank you there, there for is. allowing us to come into your living room today. Thank you for allowing us to camp. We're going to be with you in a couple months. I'm uh, the anticipation's high. I can't wait to get down there. The music, the meals, Miss Shelley, all you and Jared, the entire crew. It's an amazing experience. Thank you for being part of the federal. Family, and thank you for being on It's Federal Season podcast. Drew Keith, Honey Break Lodge, my man. It's a legacy 100 years in the making, where American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism. Technology blended with new ideas. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota. Born in 1922, made in America proud to be the best a century of innovation and we're just getting warmed up welcome back to it's federal season and our technology segment tech talk welcome back to it's federal season i'm your host chad belding i also host the foul life television that airs right now on the Outdoor Channel. Outdoor Channel, the home for everything outdoors, hunting, fishing, culinary, you name it. We're proud to be part of the Outdoor Channel family. Again, I am so excited to be hosting this episode of Federal Premiums. It's Federal Federal Season Podcast. And this segment is called Tech Talk. And I love this part. I love to get down in the weeds when it comes to the product that is being produced daily at the headquarters in Anoka, Minnesota at Federal Premium. And Adam Mosier, who works with Black Cloud on a daily basis. He's our guest today for the Tech Talk segment, and uh, he's the director of new product development and someone that is very familiar with the Black Cloud product. In a 100-year legacy of federal ammunition, federal premium, Black Cloud hit the market in 2008, and it really changed the way we hunt ducks and geese, in my opinion. We've been shooting it for 11 seasons now. And Adam, talk to me, my man. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being on Tech Talk. Talk to me about Black Cloud and, in your opinion, how it changed the game for waterfowl hunters, ducks and goose alike. Sure. Well, yeah, great to be here, Chad. Nice uh, talking with you again. Uh, So when Black Cloud was introduced, it really revolutionized how WAD technology was thought of, first of all. Um, The flight control WAD technology was unlike anything else on the market at the time. Conventional WADs, you know, opening from the front, this is a a flight control WAD, which flip it 180 degrees and use muzzle pressure to deploy deploy fins to to give you that drag stabilization and release that payload more uniformly away from the muzzle. So that was the biggest departure um, difference that Hunter saw when Black Cloud was introduced. You couple that with, you know, Federal's reliable primer, clean, efficient burning powders, temp-stable, um, put premium steel and flight stopper steel in combination in that payload, and you really have um, a load unlike anything else on the market. To top it all off, you know we seal our our crimps, we seal our primers to give that extra reliability to the user to kind of wrap that package all together. Personally speaking, and I know this is tech talk, but take me into your hunt real quick, Adam. You gotta you gotta just love the idea of seeing this product designed 
going from the drawing board to the manufacturing to being put in a box, and then you taking some shells out of a box, loading it into your shotgun with your fellow federal employees or just some buddies in the duck blind. How fired up do you you get to see the performance, knowing what it took to get to that point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of pride that goes into this, right? Being a user, being a shooter, um, and a hunter, and and I came in, you know, at federal here in, in 2011, and, and Black Cloud was already established. But you know, over the past few years, we we're able to implement the new Flex Wad and, and and work intimately on that design, and to to see it come to fruition and the improvements that we made in the product in an already outstanding product that had had a really strong following. It's it's rewarding um, and, and very satisfying to to be able to do something like that. Adam, Black Cloud is offered with a blend of TSS. What are the benefits for adding tungsten super shot to a load combination like that? Yeah, so so a couple things. Tungsten super shot um, is 18 grams per cc density. So if you're used to shooting steel, that's just below eight. So significant, significant increase in, in density in the material that's used. What that allows us to do is to use smaller pellets, uh, but not decrease that downrange energy. So so the big three things you get when you when you combine TSS into the black cloud load, you're keeping some of that flight stopper steel, uh, 40% flight stopper. You're getting 60% of your pellets of this TSS, which allows us to go, instead of a BB, we're putting a number seven TSS into that shell, uh, which increases uh, your, your pellet count drastically. So so first, first you get more pellets, more pellets on, on target. You get higher energy on target because of one, more pellets, and two, the higher density pellets have the ability to carry their velocity and downrange energy much further than steel. Um, and the third thing is then extended range, right? So your your 40-yard shot, your 40-yard lethality now is, is out to 50 yards and beyond. Adam, we're gear nuts, and I do love talking tech like this. I, like I said before, I love getting down the weeds, but duck and goose hunters, man, we don't cut corners when it comes to gear. And one of my favorite things to do is whether it's opening up the Wildfowl magazine, the, the August gear edition, and seeing all of the brands and what they're going to offer for this new season, the 2022-2023 waterfowl season. Um, is there anything that we can look forward to with Black Cloud or Federal? Anything new coming out? Yeah, you know, Chad, we are, we are currently working on some new products, some new concepts. Um, they are in the hopper right now. It's a little too early to release uh, any of that information. So I guess um, I'll tell you to stay tuned uh, for, for future development on, on what we got going on there. All right. Well, I, I will sit back. I'll accept that, Adam, just because I, I thought you would give me a little bit of wiggle room there, being part of the family for over a decade. But here's the deal. Federal did recently launch the, the Federal Bismuth with Heavy Shot. Can you describe this new offering from Federal? Yeah, sure. So, so there's a, a number of offerings there in bismuth, uh, featuring heavy bismuth, which you know our sister company there out in in Oregon. So these loads are really tailored towards the upland and the waterfowl fall uh, market to kind of kill two birds with one stone there. Um, so these loads are are in threes, fours, and fives in bismuth shot. Um, they feature the flight control flex wad that gives you that added downrange uh, lethality and pattern density, all those good things that you get with that wad. But with the benefits of, of bismuth, you get a higher density than steel. It's more malleable, like traditionally like lead is. So it's, it's safe uh, in older guns. If guys don't, don't want to shoot steel in some older firearms, this would fit that bill. And it's also a lead-free offering. So obviously good for the, for the waterfowl guy. And when you start talking about things that are good for the waterfowl guy, the waterfowl girl, the waterfowl hunter all around, we all have different preferences. We all start talking about gauges and shot size and payload and 
Um, do we shoot mm-hmm. a three and a half to a three inch to a two and three quarters? I just had a conversation with our mutual buddy, Drew Keith, down at uh, Honeybreak in Louisiana about his favorite loads. Sometimes you're in the blind and you see some teal. Then there might be a mallard. Then all of a sudden you hear the honk of a Canada goose and you look up and here comes a flock of eight honkers dialing it in with their wings cupped and their feet down. What are some guidelines that you would tell the everyday hunter, the DIY hunter, him or her to follow when it comes to picking out their shot size or, or their different boxes of black cloud? Sure. Uh, man, Chad, you know probably better than anybody. Um, you know, when it comes down to picking shot size, if, if you're going out and just targeting teal, you know, you'd, you'd tend towards the smaller end of the shot spectrum. A number four steel would probably be what, what a teal hunter would be looking at. Um, if you're going out and intentionally targeting geese or large ducks, BBs, ones, twos, uh, that sort um, that sort of shot size. Now, if you're going out with a mixed bag in mind, pick somewhere in the middle. You know, threes, twos, it kind of cover all, all spectrums of that, I guess. Um, it's hard to, to give one one specific shot size or one direction when, when you know, kind of open-ended, anything can happen. Um, but as far as going, you know, gauges and, and shell lengths and all that sort of stuff, it does somewhat come down to preference and, and experience there, for sure. And one thing my buddy Adam and, my, and myself would tell anybody listening to today's episode of It's Federal Season is, Pattern your gun. Put it on paper. Your choke tube, your shooting system. What are you getting out of the two shot, the three shot, the three and a half, the three inch black cloud, the fours, the BBs? What What are your expectations? Well, when you go out in the blind, that's probably not the, the right time to test it. Preseason gives us ample opportunity, right, Adam, to, to go out and get on a patterning board or just some paper and see what that load is doing with your choke tube at different distances. Does that sound fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, There there is a lot of nuances that go into how each shotgun and choke combination responds slightly differently. So it is absolutely critical that you go out and test your product that you intend to use. You know where your gun's point of impact and point of aim are um, so you can be the most effective shot you know that you can be. That's tech talk. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable information, in my opinion, for new and experienced everyday duck and goose hunters, waterfowl hunters. I'm so excited, Adam, for this season. I'm, I, I'm so honored to be part of the Black Cloud Federal Premium family. I appreciate you being here, buddy. Thank you so much, Adam. Yeah, as always, great talking to you, Chad. Up next on its Federal Season Podcast, we're going to go through some news, some notes, and we're going to get ready for this upcoming waterfowl season. I'm Chad Belly. We'll be right back. Good boy. It's a season with no beginning. Or end. With bonds so strong. Not weather. Or age. thousands of miles keep us from it. Our love for it is as varied as those who are addicted to its pursuit. A connection with the outdoors. With family. And your best friend. We plan with anticipation. We prepare. And wait. In silence. With tired legs cold hands we push on all in hopes of hearing a call that shatters the calm to see the approach of thundering skies and experience the instantaneous rush for whatever your reason This is our season. 
Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. Welcome back to It's Federal Season podcast. I'm Chad Belding. I'm also the host of the Foul Life Television airing right now, Season 14 over on the Outdoor Channel. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Foul Life. I also have a couple of my own podcasts, the Foul Life podcast and This Life Ain't For Everybody uh, a lot of diversity in guests and topics. You can find both of those offerings on any of your podcast platforms. Thank you all so much for downloading the subscriptions. And please don't forget to check out the merchandise page at federalpremium.com. The latest in gear and apparel is offered there. And I'm telling you, I saw a lot of this when I was up at the Legacy event, the 100th year anniversary celebration at Federal in Minnesota. And I loved it. The designs, it's trendy. There's ducks, there's pheasants, there's upland. There's everything that you can expect from an iconic brand like Federal Premium. So check out the merchandise page at federalpremium.com and get loaded up in merchant gear for this upcoming hunting season. The next It's Federal Season podcast will feature a captivating discussion with Nathan Edmondson, president and co-founder of Eco Defense, an organization that is working with wildlife defenders to stop the illegal acts before they occur. Look for this episode when it goes live in mid-October. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please go to the ratings and reviews and give us your honest feedback. Thank you all for listening to another episode of It's Federal Season Podcast.